Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday in the Christian year, invites us to consider what it means that the one who reigns over us is a king unlike any other. And to consider that, on this day at least, we need to think about names. Now most people know that Hebrew names, like the name Zedekiah, which we'll hear about in just a little while, most Hebrew names are aspirational. They have a meaning that is assigned to them toward which God or the one who names them hopes they will aspire. For instance, Jesus is the Greek form of the word Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And you remember in Matthew's gospel, it is the angel who tells Joseph, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Adam means man, and Eve means the living one. Moses means, incidentally, he who draws out, because that's the name that Pharaoh's daughter gave to him when she drew him out of the water where his mother had hid him from that same Pharaoh. And incidentally, the name the Egyptian daughter of Pharaoh gave Moses was probably Thutmose, which is the name of an Egyptian deity. Names. They're interesting. We could go on and on parsing them, trying to understand what they mean. We still find names meaningful. I remember the first time I thought about my name with any depth. I was going through some old boxes in the attic and I ran across a stack of items from the baby shower that was given to my mother uh, before I was born. One of the pages was for people attending the shower to suggest names for the baby. I admit, I do not regularly attend baby showers, but this practice of name suggestions from attendees, I'm pretty sure does not continue today for a variety of reasons, many of which were on display right there in that little memory book. There were two columns, one for boys, one for girls' names. This was at the time, you know, when you couldn't really discover uh, the baby's gender ahead of time. And I could see the battle lines being drawn with ever larger cursive letters between the two sides of the family, my mother's side and my father's side. My mother's side of the family was a bit avant-garde, I might say, as avant-garde as you could be in North Alabama in 1967. They suggested names like Mervyn, and I thought maybe Merv Griffin, I don't know. Paul, which I learned was for Paul Bear Bryant, not the Apostle Paul, (laughs) and then just Bryant. There was a theme emerging. You can tell when the book was passed to my father's side of the family. The writing became even larger and more imposing, the equivalent of email in all caps. Their names that they chose were much more traditional, John, James, Charles, 
The final name on the list, written in my grandmother's unmistakable hand, made even more unmistakable by the very large swooping letters that took up two lines, was Curtis Edward Joyner III. My father's name, which he had gotten from his father, my grandfather, it was a direct challenge to my very young mother to choose to carry on the paternal name or else. So I turned to the next page in the book, which was dedicated to the parent's decision for a name, sometime, I assume, after the shower and the birth, and saw in my mother's confident hand the name Christopher Allen Joyner. And I have to think she must have felt somewhat liberated as she wrote it, and I am forever grateful that she showed a courage belying her age. It seems like an odd thing to do, inviting other people to help name your unborn child. But it does highlight the importance of naming, even in 1967, and I dare say even in, 19, in 2022. The name of a child will say something both to the child and to all who know the child about the expectations maybe that they're carrying. It's not lost on me, for example, that my rebellious mother uh, gave me the middle name Alan with one L. And I learned later that that middle name comes from my mother's grandfather, my great-grandfather, whose name was Edgar Allen Cosby. You're not imagining Edgar Allen Cosby the grandson of a Cumberland Presbyterian circuit-riding preacher. I continue to relish the great story that begs to be told, which I've not ever really learned, of how his father, the circuit-riding preacher's kid, in what had to be an act of blatant early 20th century rebellion, named his firstborn after Edgar Allan Poe. And that's where we get back to Zedekiah. Zedekiah means the Lord is our righteousness. Or the Lord is our justice. Righteousness and justice are interchangeable words in Hebrew. He was coronated as the king of Judah in what ultimately became a sick irony. He was placed on the throne as a puppet ruler by King Nebuchadnezzar after his first conquest of Jerusalem in 597 BCE. No doubt the people asked if it could be possible, maybe, that the name he carried would dictate the kind of king he might become. Would the oppressed poor be cared for instead of tread underfoot? Would the orphans and the widows, those most powerless and vulnerable of society, finally be secure in the land instead of living at the very edge of oblivion? Would the culture of violence and the condoning of bloodshed finally give way to the blessed kingdom of peace, which was the promise that was given to Abraham and encapsulated in King David, that most 
that greatest of Israel kings? Or would rivers of blood continue to flow in the name of Yahweh? I wonder if Zedekiah's mother and father, as they turned the page after hearing all of the possible names, and then finally settled on this one, Zedekiah, the Lord is our righteousness, the Lord is our justice. I wonder if they prayed, Lord, let it be. Let him live into this name, but it was not to be. Despite the prophet Jeremiah's criticisms and pleadings, Zedekiah did not attempt to restore justice and peace among the least of those in Judah, but instead, in the ultimate illusion of power, he led a rebellion against the Babylonian overlords, a rebellion that Jeremiah warned him not to engage in. And as a result, Jerusalem was recaptured and this time destroyed and a bereaved and maimed Zedekiah was taken in tatters to Babylon. And that should, by all accounts, be the end of the story. The names may change, but it's an old story that continues to be told today. In many respects, we are called to be embodiments of God's righteousness. We are called to be little Zedekiahs, you might say. We are all of us who bear the name of Yahweh to eschew power for its own sake, to take on the mysterious power of God that concerns itself with righteousness, with justice, with peace. And yet time and time again, the human race becomes drunk with power and falls captive to its manifold illusions, not the least of which is that we can secure our future by our own hand. It's an old, old story of how we gave away our name for a false identity and paid the price. Zedekiah, then and now, seems to mark the end. And it is an end of sorts. It's the end of an illusion. Once power exercised in this fashion by the failed kings all around has failed, once we are in chains, as it were, as exiles of one sort or another, bereaved and maimed and in tatters, at that very moment, Yahweh declares, God declares, the days are surely coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch And this will be the name by which he will be called Zedekiah. Yahweh is our righteousness. And once the illusion has died and the reality of God's grace can and does come to bear, and we learn once again that it is God who secures and not the kings who rule over us, that it is God alone who brings true justice and peace and not human beings, that it is God and only God who not only names us but empowers us to live out our names. By God's grace, we are all given the ability to become Zedekiah, God's righteousness.
when I myself became a minister, like my forebear, Samuel Cosby, that circuit-riding Cumberland Presbyterian, and it came time for Kim and me to name our own child, our firstborn, I remembered the rebellious Edgar Allan Cosby. And I remember thinking for a hot minute, rebellious names are cool and well and good, but not for my boy who would become the preacher's kid. So we named him Samuel Caleb, directly after that circuit-riding preacher. And then a few years later, quite a few years later, another child has come along, and I came home one night to find that second-born child, the one with the the non-biblical name, my beautiful little blonde-headed daughter, reading Edgar Allan Poe. And I asked, what in the world are you doing reading that book? And she says, it's for a school project. And I said, what project? And she said, I was, I'm giving a video presentation, and Mom told me that there's some family thing with Edgar Allan Poe, and I wanted to talk about it in the video. You know, he's really cool, she said. And so I decided to sit her down, and I explained the whole awful thing to her, And rather than become sickened by it, she became even more intrigued. And I watched the video later. And she's reading from a a poem by Edgar Allan Poe, just a, a terrible, horrible poem. And she gives a little biographical information. And then it ends the biographical information. And she says, And Edgar Allan Poe was buried in Westminster Presbyterian Cemetery. And she looks up at the camera and says, that's right, I said Presbyterian. I have maybe more of a connection to Poe than you first thought. Then she tells the whole sordid tale of my family, right there on the video, to the whole class. And to cap it all off, she got an A+. But here's the thing, you know. It both shows the importance of naming and ultimately how unimportant it really is in the end of the day. No matter our name, the one that our parents gave us, no matter how fraught that name may be or how full of intrigue or how normal, no matter the stories that lie behind it, we all of us carry a name beyond it. We all of us carry a name that Jeremiah prophesied long ago, the name of one who was the only one who was perfectly Zedekiah, the Lord's righteousness, the Lord's justice, the name bestowed on us in baptism, the one Joseph gave to his boy, and the one God has given to us, Jesus, the one who saves the one who is our true name, our true home, the king of all who reigns in justice and peace. May it be so. Amen.